0: Life has no meaning and there is no such thing as free will. Welcome to Private Practice Podcast. Life has the meaning that you
1: give it and there is definitely such thing as free will. And what episode
0: are we on? We're on episode 10. We're on chapter 10, I think. Oh, sorry, I'm just bouncing around. We're on... <laughs> I am bouncing around. It's exciting. <laughs> this is the final chapter of the flow book. What do I need to do to get you excited? Tell you what's coming up, tell a joke, uh mm, remind let, you that... Let me finish my sentences. Sorry, did you start a
1: sentence and didn't finish it? Private practice podcast.
0: I'll start again. I said something like life has no meaning, there's no free will, welcome to Private Practice Podcast and then you responded slowly and clearly there was a pause that I thought was you'd finished. What was it you said? I said
1: life is, has the meaning that you give it and,
0: and, uh, and uh, oh, I can't remember now. Free will does exist. Free That's, will does exist. But you said both of those
1: things and then you paused. Yes because I was going to say welcome to Private Practice Podcast from the London Private Practice Studios. I'm Daniel P. Brown. And I'm James Hall.
0: Well, that's got that bit out of the way, hasn't it? <laughs> so, all the chapters up until this point, I had read in advance. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them I read in the autumn. So, for example, last week we were reading a chapter that I read six months ago. But I saved the final chapter. Uh, it's a good idea, that. It is a good idea. And I only read it for the first time uh, three days ago. And I was really surprised. I thought it was going to be lots of repetition because you know how he so don't watch TV. Make sure you match your abilities with your challenge to stay in the flow channel. de dum de di-dum-de-dum. Think about the chess player, the ballerina, and you'll flow. Dentist waiting room. Yeah, to flow in the dentist waiting room. Yep. I've been Mickley Chits and Mickley. Thanks for reading. See you next time. <laughs> I thought that was how he was gonna sign off. Mm-hmm. But no, he goes into Greek mythology ideology. Uh-huh. Um, he looks as far into the future as he looks into the past. Ooh. Um, it's. I was quite astonished with the breadth of the final chapter. And do you think we can maybe talk about it
1: today and the topics contained within without just ruining the final chapter for people, or or are we going to go through every every paragraph one at a time, ticking it off until?
0: Nobody wants to read the book. (laughs) Well, I've written, this is not the end. The final chapter is a showstopper, except it's not going to stop this show.
1: Oh, very good. I like what you've done, yeah. yeah.
0: Because there's there's basically enough in the final chapter for an entire season of a podcast or an entire... You could write a whole book based on the final chapter. So no, in answer, we're not going to cram in the entire final chapter. Hopefully we'll get in most of the ideas, but most of them are just generally related to the whole point of this podcast. So it's not like we're closing the Book of Flow leaving it behind, and next time we'll be looking at Davina McCall's new How to Have a Better Life self-help bestseller. I thought that was the
1: kind of thing we were suited to,
0: though. (laughs) Oh, so yes, some news. Oh, news, 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 news. Since last week, um, I have met up with one of our The Listener, uh, and 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 now I know all about habitus and narrativization. So we can, content, we can continue to do this podcast without that major crippling handicap that has so severely diminished the quality of our outfit. Um, do you want to fill me in on some of that? He used a lot of words. He used a lot of words. And if I were to try and summarise what he had said. What is a summary where you add, where you write, where you use more words than the thing you're trying to summarise? It's not a summary. What would be... A Maybe a thesis? That? I would be pre- presenting a thesis that is not even on the topic of the meaning of life, which is... An, and the lack of... Or, and free will or the lack of... So this, the topic of this episode is the meaning of life... And free will, which I think does not exist and you think does exist. So I think that's quite a lot to pack into a fudge box of an episode. So to also put in a thesis of what Habitus and narrativization is, that's just so that we can continue to do the podcast without, in the future, me talking down to thou working class person telling them to just pull their socks up and flow like me privileged white male okay
1: so you say that this chapter is about the meaning of life and the and free will is it about that or do you just want to shoehorn in free will because two weeks ago you you made such an ass of talking about free will and pretty much proved yourself Wrong on your own adopted
0: beliefs from someone else's, I don't know, podcast or book
1: or something.
0: uh, I'm not shoehorning in free will, it's in the final chapter. The concept of free will. What happens with free will in the final chapter? I made a note about this. Just to remind yourself. Yes, free will is not specifically mentioned. With the words free will, I don't think, unless it is and I just... So you did shoe on it. No, because sometimes it seems to be assumed that humans have free will. Other times genetic programming is referenced, Mm -hmm. therefore free will is... And and the the subject of the book is about um, taking a meaningless life and giving it meaning through... uh, And it's in the context of contemporary society which has... Almost infinite choice. Uh, so, to summarise the entire chapter, once upon a time, mm-hmm. all someone like yourself would have to do is hunt, bring home the animal, cook it, eat it, try not to be killed in the process. Oh, well, that's all? Yeah. Okay, cool. Then along came civilization. What about building shelter? Building shelter... OK, well, there are some hobbies as well. Hobbies? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so you built, you've already built your shelter. Right, And good. then in order to live, and you've found your wife, and you've made your children, and in order to live, you just have to go out, kill the animal, bring it home so that you can all... Piece of cake. Yeah. Um, so th- well, there was no point... In, there's no need for life meaning because... That was that. That was the meaning of life: to go to, to to go out and get the food to survive. To survive. There's no. You didn't. What you wouldn't have woken up in the morning and thought, "Oh, shall I? Uh, shall I work from home today? No, because the animals don't come to my home. I have to go to the animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall I have a day off today? No, because I need to eat. I can't just have a day off because a day off means a day of no eating." Uh, shall I go on holiday today? No, because I don't know what a holiday is yet. That is not something that is, exists in my consciousness. Yes, Therefore, I think we I get we, get the, we okay. get the idea. We get the idea. Yeah. So uh, there was no need for life to have any meaning because, mm. like the private practice cat, who isn't burdened by anxiety and regret that you know of that we know of, but mm-hmm. I'm. Much oh, you, you know this, do you? Well, I feel I'm very okay. intuitive of uh, what's going on in that cat's Yes, zone. okay. <laughs> but the, the the cat just is... Given that the cat is sort of like... I don't know... This, this is why I don't know what I'm talking about in terms of the technicalities, but the cat is... Um, bred to be a pet, I presume. The, the cat—if you let the cat out in the wild, there it, would be problems. Is
1: my house cat, my domesticated breed house cat, a wild cat? Is that what you're asking? Well, if you let it is out it in the like wild, a, it
0: would—it would not have the tools to survive very long. Is that right? No, I it... think it would pretty quickly learn to adapt. Okay, so I was going to call it a parasite, but given that it could oh, go and live on its own, you're in that kind of a mood, are you? <laughs> Given that it could go and live on its own, potentially, um, it's not inherently a parasite because it doesn't absolutely need you to feed it. But the cat is not burdened by the same choice and anxieties and feelings that you have. What are your feelings right now? I I don't know, like, I don't know, mild confusion,
1: mild dissatisfaction. But it's fine, it's fine. I'm I'm not sure if we're talking about habitus, narratus, uh, free will, flow, which is, of course, the topic of this podcast, or or something else. Um, uh, Darwin's natural selection, to, to like, uh, survivalism. What are we talking about? And
0: you have just proven the point of the entire episode that with all those things and no clear narrative ahead of you, yeah. you have to make some choices and that gives you anxiety and you're uncomfortable. If you knew that this was just a chapter about learning how to play chess and making it a flow activity as opposed to just shuffling the pieces around and using your phone and having one eye on Netflix which means you're not concentrated you would know exactly what we were going to talk about and there would be no anxiety you'd know what was ahead in the episode but because the episode deals with giving life meaning infinite choice and the context of whether that is free will or not and um, looking back into the past we haven't even got to religion yet we're still on the caveman looking back to lack of meaning, and humans creating meaning in the past, leading up to the present day, which for Mickley and Mickley was 1992, for us is 2020, but there are some obvious similarities and differences that we could look at if we get round to that. Looking at the context today of having to make meaning in your life, and predicting the future, all in the context of the process of flow whereby you match your abilities with your challenge uh, to create harmony where they are suitably matched, and you increasingly go up the scale of complexity to have huh. an enjoyable and enriching life. And in the final chapter, the, the the introduction to the final chapter says that you can't just play chess and, and get flow in the dentist's waiting room and all these sorts of things on their own without some greater meaning because they don't come together to give a feeling of purpose for your whole life. They are just as incoherent as the chaotic thoughts that just come into your mind ordinarily that give you psychic entropy. So to just go through your life, pick and mixing flow activities gives you the same psychic entropy as if you don't even do it at all. All of that means that the final chapter of the book says there is more to flow than just the flow activities that the previous nine chapters have talked about. So all of that makes it quite a complex chapter, which, is, which came as a surprise to me because all the previous chapters have been very simple. And all of that is currently giving you anxiety because there's no clear path as to where this episode is going and therefore, you are struggling to know mm. what I'm about to talk about and what. How, how I... many words do you think were in that sentence? I don't know, but it pretty much. You summed up the episode by being anxious about not knowing what this chapter was about or this episode was about.
1: Ah, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No. I mean, yes. If you hadn't sprouted probably hundreds of words with with almost with almost no breathing space punctuation or or room to or room to question I might not have been quite so anxious maybe it's not an exact what's the word maybe it's not exactly right for you to say that I was anxious about the chapter but more that I've no
0: idea what the fuck you're talking about? No, you were anxious about where this episode was going, or at least our conversation, so we don't have to think of it as an episode. Where where was I going with all my words? You were getting anxious because it didn't seem like that I was laying out a clear path that you could also follow. It felt like I was going off into the bushes without leaving a trail of breadcrumbs and shouting at you, Dan, keep up, keep up! And you were getting anxious because... Every few seconds, there was a fork in the path, and you could go left or right, or realistically, hundreds of lefts and hundreds of rights, and therefore, you were getting the same anxiety that is just part of the mathematical model of anxiety that fits to anything, whether it's you following the path in the woods, or you trying to sit in the dentist's waiting room, or you trying to live an entire life now, or as a caveman, or as a uh, practitioner of Catholicism back in the Middle Ages, or as someone in the future. Right. Okay. Let's let's batten
1: down the hatches. Let's let's secure the guide ropes. Let's. Uh, are they? or are they called? Guy ropes. Anyway, let's just let's just ground ourselves
0: for a moment. Do you feel right now that you are in flow? Yes, because I have read the chapter, I have organised my thoughts and I feel like not only is this episode um, an enjoyably complex but not impossibly difficult thing to do, therefore I can match my ability with that challenge and be in flow within the recording, but the season as a whole has been pretty worthwhile and interesting for me, therefore, it's not just an isolated flow incident, it has had meaning for the last six or more months. An isolated flow incident. Well, so we've spent s- uh, nine chapters looking at isolated flow incidents. Nine chapters, 11 episodes, onto the 12th episode today. Yes. Awesome. Um, looking at isolated flow incidents, we've looked at Dorothy carving funny things in her trees. Funny dot. We've looked at walking in Paris. We've looked at blue-collar Joe. Yes. Or Ed
1: or Sam, whatever his name was. With his rainbow fountains. We've ignorantly ploughed through
0: the shit that is narratus and habitus and narrativization of habitus. Haribo and the final... The gist of the final chapter, the way he starts, is by saying that um, you can't just... Flick from one flow activity to another in a random order and hope that your life will just be enjoyable because you have followed the nine rules, or the, nine cha- the rules of the nine chapters up until this point. He's now saying, um, "You know those nice, mm. simple nine chapters that you've mm-hmm. just been through?" Yeah. It's not as simple as that.: Yeah, yeah, he's saying, "Don't think that I've just explained all of flow to you, because
1: I haven't. Ha, ha! Pull out the rug. <laughs> Push over the table, punch me in the face, spit on the floor in front of me, stick your middle finger up, and say, "Actually, you don't have free will. Life has no meaning. Screw you." Microphone drop.
0: Well, it's it's, it's a bit ambiguous what his views on free will are. I think I know, but I, he does because he's not explicit, and I'm an autiste, I don't claim he's, that I he's know. not explicit
1: in the fact that all he is doing continuously. Is explaining for you to choose to do okay. something.
0: Okay, we'll come back to the um, the we'll, we've we've done the caveman. I want to move on from the caveman to the birth of religion, and then very quickly whizzing through time to the eighties and then to now. But park that for now because he gives a very clear mm-hmm. distinction between what you're what you were just talking about. So he's says that choice exists, or rather, it, it is absolutely clear to me, coming out of this chapter, that we can say choice exists, life has no meaning, you don't have free will, and those things are not incompatible. Choice, choice, choice exists, life has no meaning, inherent, okay, given yeah, meaning, meh, meh, meh. free will does not exist you can give your life meaning. All four of those things are not incompatible. So Mm. how are they not incompatible? So he says, uh, life has no supreme goal built into the fabric of nature. I wrote it as life has no supreme goat built into the fabric of nature, uh, but can be given meaning. So, well, there are actually some, there are several Nazi examples in this book, because as we in this chapter, because as we remember from previous chapters, flow is neither good nor bad. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll possibly come to, there's quite a substantial Nazi um, story in this chapter. But let's say, just to play Hitler's avocado, devil's advocate, um, Mm -hmm. your life purpose is devoted to the Nazi fascist cause. That is... Clearly not good, but it is a perfect example of how you take all the isolated flow activities in your life and you bring them together to form a unified flow purpose. Ah, a
1: unified Nazi flow. Yes,
0: so an, an isolated flow activity might be preparing the gas chambers. I know this is not I know, this is the this is it's not exactly like this but this is one of the examples in the book and it is an example of how flow is not good flow can be wonderful flow can be evil so you can have a flow you can have a flow experience preparing the gas chambers you can also have a flow experience ironing your nazi uniform you can have a flow experience um having dinner with your Nazi friends and chatting about the problems of the world and mm-hmm. how not white and blue-eyed they are, etc. Yes. So you can have all these in- individual flow activities, but the Nazi ide- the fascist ideology means that everything you do in life somehow has this purpose of creating a fascist end goal, which is some sort of like uh, eugenically perfect race and a unified belief system that all citizens of a nation conform to so that you all have the same purpose and goals. So we, we, we have seen from history that that is not a good thing, but it is an example of how individual flow activities come together to create a uniform meaning in someone's life whereby all the individual flow activities are flowing into the, all the streams of flow are flowing into the main river of fascist meaning. Yeah, so you you
1: also could have used, you know, Christianity or Catholicism or or
0: anything, but you went with the Nazis again. Yes, because the chapter uses Nazis. So you're talking
1: about having a kind of a, a core ideology or belief system that the activities that you do with your life are kind of a a yoke, a kind of a core essence.
0: Let's take uh, the Hitler of today, Greta Thunberg, who is not a um, far-right fascist dictator leading the world to um, an Aryan race, but she sees as we assume, she sees her life purpose to save the planet. So when she meets up with, um, what are they called, Extinction Rebellion people, when she uh, sails across the Atlantic so as not to build up air miles, when she does all these individual flow activities, any of which could give her intense enjoyment concentration and complexity in the moment and given that she's whatever she is 16 or something and she's doing all these things and glaring at Donald Trump and all and being time person of the year and all that she is certainly uh facing a lot of challenges in her life and becoming a more complex person probably much more complex than your average teenager so she has all these individual flow activities but they are all part of one unified flow purpose and meaning which is to save the planet as she sees it or support the illuminati cause depending yeah. on what you believe whatever it is mm-hmm. um so there's an example that's not uh, being a nazi good okay good great great moving on so i said life is meaningless you're and by which it's taken in the book that you're not given a meaning. No, You're not born knowing that you have to save the planet. You're not born knowing that you have to create an Aryan race. Yeah, true say. Or any of that. You're not born knowing that you have to invent Facebook. You, there is no meaning in your life that's given. There, so, and, so
1: meaning could be purpose as well then, because... Yeah. Because inventing facebook isn't a meaning is it no
0: but it's something whereby purpose. all the individual things you do in it's your purpose, life purpose. come together and you create facebook and that is purpose your life
1: so life has no inherent purpose or because life has no inherent meaning even with all the flow activity and even with creating your own meaning you know those two things are oh, it's
0: still not inherent meaning i see yeah
1: or inherent purpose
0: no, but it is inherent purpose because... Oh, I see, okay, it's mine. Yeah, not yeah, it's purpose.
1: neither, it's neither. It's good, it's good, I like this, carry on. I'm, so, enjo- I'm enjoying this. i so You I'm have... evolved, James. <laughs> I just
0: wish, you know, you'd started with less words. I didn't, I didn't, I forgot. Maybe 20 minutes less words. I forgot that your. are um, I forgot to match your lower ability to the mm. challenge. Mm-hmm. I set the challenge too high for you, didn't uh-huh, I? Uh-huh. Well, I don't want to get into a tennis match here, but okay, yeah. Cool, I cool, should have patronised cool. you a little bit more. Mm, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so you have no given purpose. Life has no meaning to accept this with resignation and to therefore think, well, life has no meaning, I will just watch TV and on um, whatever your drug of choice, probably alcohol, one of the most destructive ones.
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed.
0: So, life has no meaning, I will just flick through my social media feed, watch TV, Mm. drink alcohol... And I have to survive, so I will go to work, but then I'll just come straight back home, flop on the sofa, flick through my social media feed, watch TV, consume alcohol, sleep, not, re- not properly engage with social mm. media, just flick, just mm-hmm. send emojis. S- scroll scroll. So they call it the, the um, is it the, the endless scroll or the, yeah. the,
1: yeah, the uh, infinite scroll?
0: yeah infinite scroll dead behind the eyes preferably stuffing food in your mouth and not paying attention now, to i what don't you're think eating. you need to even add that one
1: in james you're always going on about that one you're always like talking about fat people and greed
0: well it doesn't have to be you can have um super low calorie um basically nothing but fresh air snacks but you can still stuff them in your mouth without paying attention to the flavour. Yeah, mindless effect. eating. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm enjoying this. Carry on. Go on. Go on. Go on. Give me
0: more. So that is resigning yourself uh-huh. to the fact that your life has no that life has no given meaning. So and that there's no free will. You resign yourself to not doing anything.
1: Just getting through till you die.
0: Yes. Mm. And there are also examples in the chapter of events that happen to people like something goes wrong at work there's an emergency and suddenly you have to save the day suddenly you're a superhero for half an hour um things crop up what might crop up someone might turn up there might be a flash mob <laughs> what, what things crop up like it's someone's birthday or um where? someone says something where cro- in life when you're when you feel oh your car breaks down I don't I don't mean negative things necessarily. Yeah, you could be you could you, you could, could learn p- to fix your car. Okay, so things crop up and you rise to the challenge. Yeah. But that's passively waiting for these things to come uh, to you. Yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Um
0: so all of that is resigning yourself to having life having no meaning. Mm-hmm. So the whole book is telling what is the whole book telling you in relation to choice and free will? As opposed to watching TV, if you don't resign yourself to watching TV because life has no meaning, what do you do?
1: I don't like the way you do this. You have an answer prepared, like, so you don't, (laughs) you're not interested in what I think. You, what if, if I don't resign myself to believing that life has no me- like no, no, to no, the it, inherent fact for, that life for, has no meaning for
0: everything in this episode life has no given meaning we've done with that yeah so how do you give your life meaning and not just sit and watch tv how have i given my life meaning okay well yes how have you given your? well life
1: i've tried different jobs until one caught my fancy and in and, and brought intrigue and interest and complexity into my life I worked hard at that job and overcame some of my personal struggles in order to even be present in that job and with every opportunity that arose in that job I tried to take it and tried to make the best of it by immersing myself in whatever teaching or education or development was there I applied for different jobs I worked in different places I started to create my own work and started to create my own projects I gave my life meaning and purpose
0: I, I don't believe in free will. I do believe in choice. I don't think that they're incompatible. And you don't agree with that. And I'm trying to get onto that subject. So there's no expectation of what you're going to say. But no. You see, you're saying... No, no, no. I don't want you to summarise what I'm saying. I want to say what you're saying. Why is there no free will? So you're, you're, what you just said about your life, you, do you feel like you had the free will to not just spiral into depression and poverty but to make the choice to take responsibility to be successful at work and find a path for yourself that led to improve gradual improvements to a better life do you feel that was free will that meant that you could do that and you took control of your life because of free will well see i suppose i would use the the the
1: word you know choice and the ability to take a choice as free will you're you're seeing it as some more complicated um, meaning
0: yes and this is where i this is why i hacked out all my junk about free will last time because i didn't make the distinction last time and therefore the whole argument as far as i my argument was not my argument therefore i thought it was rubbish that's why i took it out of the last episode
1: mm, it seems yeah but we you you're suggesting that something has free will above the 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 sum of its parts of its components that you could choose something other than what you are well you can't obviously so so i if if i didn't have arms i couldn't choose to pick something up with my hands cuz i wouldn't have them if i wasn't so if i if i if i didn't have the genetic programming that i have i wouldn't be um aiming to survive i wouldn't be trying to find the food i wouldn't be looking for a partner i wouldn't be have a drive to have sex so we are human so therefore of course in order to even survive there is a part of free will that is taken away from us if you wish but i i I choose to float around the room well i can't float around the room
0: well exactly almost free will is
1: about what we can do having the choice to do What it is possible to do, not having the choice to do things that aren't possible to do. But then you're saying, "Aha! No one has free will because we're human."
0: Okay, well, but I also think it's much more limited than people think. Because so, what do you think people think free will is? The fact that you, of all the possible things, any of them could happen. Of all the possible things you could do with your life, any of them could be realised in any moment. Uh, so, for what example... What you mean
1: because I want to be an astronaut I can become an astronaut?
0: Well, let's just keep it simple. For dinner, um, it's... I mean, forget, the, forget what context we're in now. Uh, it's Saturday morning and there's nothing in the fridge. Yes. We're going to go out and get something to cook for dinner tonight. Yes. Um, there are more or less infinite foods available. We then limit it to what we can reasonably get to f- within the distance of here and what we reasonably have the, the um, resources to acquire. So if we can't grow it or buy it or find it, we can rule it out. So we've, we've limited the, 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 the boring logistics, mm-hmm. but we still... So let's say we've gone from infinite foods down to, for argument's sake, 100 foods. What makes you think that you just have the free will to have any of those foods? What makes you think you don't? Because outside of because the mis- you're not you're not you are not able to think of those hundred foods that are available to you. So another thing that you li- well, so it's what not do you mean just- you're not able to think of the hundred foods available
1: to you. Think of, every, think of every possible food that you could eat. Now, do it. But that's, a, that's an utterly <laughs> ridiculous thing to say. That, that doesn't... Because you can't think of everything that is possible does not mean that you then don't have free will. Well, it absolutely does,
0: because if you can't think of it, then it's not in your life. You're, what you can think of, what you bring into consciousness is all there is. There is nothing in life beyond what is in your consciousness. And if you can't put something in consciousness, for you, it does not exist. You do not have the free will to bring into consciousness something that your Daniel Kahneman type one and type two working together programming does not bring into your consciousness. And you think that because I couldn't sit here right now and write down the
1: hundred foods you claim there to be or allow there to be that I don't have the free
0: will to end up eating them that evening. You will just have, from the 100 foods available to you, let's um, say 10%, you'll think of 10 things and you'll pick... And and if I had access to your genetic programming, of those 10 foods, I would be able to say you are statistically more likely to choose number 4. And when you do choose number 4, I would be able to say, well, that was easy to predict. And if you choose... Numbers three or five, I would say oh well there 's a glitch in the system today maybe you 're feeling maybe you have some thoughts, so maybe you 're feeling like you really want comfort food, so whilst I predicted you would choose four you 're going slightly further away from your normal behavior to five uh, because something is different today, it, or the <laughs> opposite way you want you go for something way more boring than you usually eat number three. Um, so you, even though that's not one, you're describing
1: t- choices. You're describing taking choices due to what is yes, but yes is in your mind, as you say. Yes,
0: and I'm describing you taking choices between one and ten, and it's never going to be one. It's never going to be ten because you're a four. It's only going to be three, four, or five, and that doesn't. So even- no
1: one ever tries anything new.
0: Yes, you try, maybe one day you try two and you don't like it, or you do like it, and your range is now from two to six instead of just four. What are you talking about? This is utter nonsense. It's not utter nonsense, and beyond ten, from eleven to a hundred, that doesn't even exist, because you don't think of it. Therefore, you do not have the free will to have number 56 for dinner tonight. So you've never opened a cookbook and cooked something that
1: you didn't know? You've never gone to a shop and found something that you haven't tried?
0: You've never... you've never. But those are small chances, and there but are still, millions of other chances. There. There. But they are still there. They're still there. But there are millions of other chances that didn't happen when I did that, and therefore I didn't have the free will to choose amongst the infinite But you're
1: talking... That's <laughs> utter shite. You're not a robot. You, can, you well, can't, I am. You can't control and have all information in your head... At every moment, therefore, free will does not exist, but choice does exist. Oh my God, that's such utter shit! It's not free will is a human concept, and within the boundaries of being a human, you have free will to do A, B, C, or D up to ten. Well, I mean, firstly, the numbers you're talking are nonsense anyway, utter nonsense. But the fact well, that I you made say, up the numbers. if we were not, you, you should say if we were, if we were, if we are not human. Then we we would have free will, but because we're human within the boundaries of humanity and how a brain works and what we are genetically programmed to need, you know like so pregnant women and as well as with um other animals when they're pregnant, they know what it is that their body needs, so they would be more inclined to choose those foods with like, salts or sugar or fats or protein in but But like the idea that then that there's no free will. That's, that's that's not true. I mean, you did say that, yes, you got choices, but no, you don't have free will. But you're using an alien concept of free will, something that's alien to most human beings, in a smug way to say, almost like to put down the idea that people can make choices that change them. And also, you're forgetting the fact that history is important. You have made thousands of choices to get to the ten choices, and you're going, oh, no, you've only got the ten choices, and you couldn't possibly think of another food past ten.
0: That's rubbish. Uh, ten is and 10 represents 10%. So 10 could be 10 million out of what's that's why, this is why I did 1 to 100 because what's a billion is so I don't know. Exactly. So that's why I did 1 to 100. 10 represents 10% and I and I'm I guessed a margin either way of your genetic programming of um 1%, but it could be More or less than that, but it's not
1: 100%.
0: Anyway, there you go, dear listener. The um, argument about free will that was promised last week. So, back to the caveman, or rather... from So, you're not going
1: to answer any of the arguments to that? You're just going to shout 10%?
0: No, I said that everything... 10%, 10%. Yeah, well, actually, everything in this episode is relevant to any future episodes so we don't need to finish I'm telling, anything
1: I'm telling you you're right the challenge is high in this episode
0: nothing needs to be fully finished in this episode so that was that was the free will bit that we promised last week so
1: just to take a moment dear listener if you are still with us <laughs> if you are still with us um i'd always been really interested as the weeks had progressed uh, as to whether we'd ever do a flow activity here do engage involve uh, deep dive into an actual flow activity and for myself i feel like the conversation we've just had myself and james may have been one of the few moments where i felt fully in flow but um, the
0: entire season is a flow um, on a different level on a different level a different so, activity we're producing a podcast we're understanding topics i want to know what the collective term so A a A flock of So individual episodes have been flow sheep, and together they form a flock of flow because they all unite us with a common purpose to go from chapter one to ten of a book and to then implement the knowledge we have gained in our lives for the foreseeable future. Therefore, that is a flow... That is a purpose we have given our lives... As a t- total thing, it's, with like a flow com- it's like a composition of flow. Exactly, and that's what the gist of the final chapter is. But in the, ch- but it's in the, it's in context of real people's experience. So that's why I started with the caveman. His real experience is just that he has to get the food. Hmm. He doesn't have anxiety, like I said. Yeah. So um, then you, we. You think he doesn't have anxiety? No, he has anxiety about danger and danger. The lion. Yeah but Which it's is not, more
1: fear actually than anxiety because it's anyway carry on
0: it's not so much anxiety from choice the choice is limited to where wh- wh- does he go north south east west does he does he he sees a lion but the lion is a bit far away or there's another lion watching him he has a choice of is this worth going for do i leave that one do i find an easier target etc so he has all those choices but he doesn't have the free will to just be a TikTok social media influencer in 2020 <laughs> because he's stuck in his non-free will life of limited choice of how to kill lions and nothing else.
1: Oh, if the listener could only see James's face as he said, TikTok media influencer. Oh, oh, That was one of the best things. I should have taken a photo of that. Carry on, James. That was lovely. So the caveman doesn't have as much choice as... Mm, as we do.
0: As we do. But then as we go through human history, we see the invention from caveman... <laughs> That's us whizzing through time we see the uh the introduction of religion organized religion ah uh, yes, and the uh organized religion of religion of Christianity has endured for two thousand and twenty years uh and in previous times, specifically talking as Londoners living in London. In previous times, religion would have given meaning to more Londoners' lives than it does today. How many of your friends basically orientate their life around the Bible and pursuit of Christianity? Not that many. So we've gone from Christianity, or uh, that's the example here in London the dominant religion Christianity being the founder and Christianity is the basis of lots of our culture and laws and all that sort of thing so it was a unified purpose and if someone believes that everything is in God's hands they do not have the anxiety of having to deal with infinite choice all the time so they can live their life according to the overarching purposeful flow activity of living their life according to the rules of God for the ultimate goal of ending up in heaven, which is the top of the flow complexity ladder. You start by, at Sunday school as a child, learning the religion, learning the difference between good and bad, learning what you should and shouldn't do according to the Bible. You then gradually become a good person by uh, by, by doing good deeds, falling in love, procreating making children bringing them up that's that's those are new challenges making you more complex and then eventually when you've devoted your entire life to god and you haven't sinned you end up in heaven and that is the supreme infinite end of the ladder of complexity and you can live an enjoyable life like that because it totally takes away the anxiety of choice. You don't choose, you just you know what's good and bad because it says so in the Bible and you go to church every Sunday and you're told this is right, this is wrong. Don't be a gay, be heterosexual. If you're a man, find a wife, have children, bring them up as good Christians, don't sleep with other women, don't wear two forms of cloth. Don't all these rules and if you follow them, you will end up in heaven and you can flow through life with purpose and meaning and a lack of anxiety. So think of all those blissfully happy Christians in the past, except the ones who desperately wanted to, um, well, you know, pack that fudge, who therefore had a lot of anxiety and conflict between what they felt they want and what they were told they needed to want. But... For all the others, an enjoyable life of just following the meaning of Christianity until death. And with the the wonderful gift of the promise that life continues in further blissful complexity of heaven at the end of it. Then, fast forward to the yuppies of the 1980s who form the contemporary context of chapter 10 of the flow book because that's when Mickley Chitson Mickley wrote it and he was talking about the infinite choice that uh in, at the time a capitalist American society of high flying yuppies had to face. No longer and he uses the example of a woman no longer does her is her life just the obvious path of uh learn how to cook, learn how to tie your hair in bows, uh, find a husband, prepare his meals when he comes home, shove a sprog out of your vagina, bring it up to be a good... You don't. That's not your path anymore. You, as a woman, have the choice to move to anywhere you want to live in the world, to do any job that your talents are suited to, to be... Um, uh, heterosexual, lesbian, pansexual, whatever, asexual, whatever you want, have as many or as few partners as you like. All of this infinite choice instills inherent anxiety because what if you make the wrong choice? Monologue over, time for Dan to respond.
1: <laughs> You're just describing parts of the book. There's not really much for me to respond to there. To respond to whether that's in the book, no, no, no. Any objections to any of that? Well, many, but carry on. What we are ha- your objections? We haven't got all night, it's okay. just a flippant tone, and the fact oh, right. that you don't breathe in between sentences, you know, that I've completely lost the breadcrumb trail. But interestingly, tomorrow actually, it's not that interesting. Carry on.
0: Well, he was writing. And in the late 80s and publishing in 1992 and talking about the problem of choice faced by people today where they don't follow a religion, they're not inevitably hunter-gatherers, they can do a large number of things with their life and it doesn't matter what that number is, it's just big for everyone. It's Mm. equally But they can probably only do the 10 things they can think of, so...
1: It's not really that big, is it?
0: But in the no, in each individual choice is only 10 things. But if you look ahead, if you don't concentrate in the moment, what can I do right now? Out of the 10 choices available, I'm most likely to pick four. But should I go for three or should I go to five? That's in the moment. I'm talking about the whole of life, looking at your life in general. How do you make life decisions? Because... It's not just 1 to 10, because it's 1 to 10 times every decision you make for your whole life, and that's just... Infinite choice. Psychic entropy. It still doesn't mean that you have free will. It's It's more or less infinite choice, but that's only because it's cumulative. In the moment, it's very restricted by what you can bring into consciousness, and everything else does not exist in your life and is not part of your life prospect. Because... You can't bring it into consciousness.
1: But, you know, there, there are people who have uh, um, the, what's the word? It's not really ability, but have the, um, the sad uh, reality that they are, have in their mind way too much at once. Um, and I get the, under, I, I sort of have the impression that people with quite severe autism keep way too much in their mind at once and any overstimulation can tip them into severe distress. And I think perhaps that the idea that we are limited to a certain amount of things in our mind at any one time is not, uh, in the way that you're thinking of it, proof perfect that we don't have choice, but it's that actually in order to have choice you might have to take a number of smaller decisions, as you put it, quite aptly quite correctly use the 10 questions you can keep in your mind at any one time to get yourself to question 100 it's doing things in steps it's doing things in stages so you're right right now this very second i do not have the option of being an amateur race car driver
0: but let's just keep it to the dinner you don't have the option of thinking about everything you could possibly eat before dinner time You you will it will so I use the Saturday Sunday morning comes around you've already had the dinner that we were talking about where whereby you chose number three four or five and on Sunday morning you think oh you look at something that has a particular form or colour and you think oh mustard I didn't even think about dishes that are essentially mustard flavoured. I I completely forgotten about that today even though that's in my con- even though that's in my memory it didn't come into consciousness yesterday therefore it wasn't one of the choices therefore I never even considered what I could do with mustard yes last night so but, but, but- so you have a you have a deadline you have, you're going to eat dinner at a certain point and you cannot think of everything that exists in the known universe between now and dinner time. But
1: needing to think of everything that exists is not a prerequisite for free free choice. It's it's not, for free will. It
0: it is for absolute free will, but it's not for limited choice. You have limited choice. That's
1: total nonsense. It's not, you have limited choice. Yeah, you have limited choice, but you have free will
0: to choose anything that is available. Within the the limited choice, fine. If that's how you want to describe it. But then that is free will. What you cannot bring into consciousness limits what you can do so you do not have the free will which is access to everything in your brain and everything that exists in the universe it's not just that you're limited by the fact that you've got two hands and 12 hours of the day it's you're limited by what you can bring into consciousness more than how many hands you have or how many hours of the day hmm But if you were
1: able to bring every single food that ever existed into your consciousness, your brain would explode.
0: Well, that's, yes. Metaphorically. That's that's why we can't do that. But theoretically, if you're... But then within within the boundaries of being a human. Yes. But you just brought in the hypothetical brain that can bring into mind every, every piece of information. There is no such thing as a subconscious. Everything is conscious. That person has free will, but that's a ridiculous brain that doesn't exist. Therefore, no one has free will. That—that's a—that's an alien creature yeah, yeah, that doesn't exactly. have a subconscious. Th- that's
1: what I said at the beginning. You—you you are going. Oh, there, we don't have alien free will. No, we don't, because we're not aliens. We are humans. We have human free will. We have yes,
0: which is restricted choice by what you can bring into oh. consciousness god and, the, the, and because this is a, because this is a podcast about ideas and psychoanalysis the whole concept of the subconscious proves that you don't have perfect free will as that alien would because you cannot bring into mind that which is in the subconscious it is information that you have in your brain that you cannot bring into consciousness therefore you do not have free will So the yuppies. So the yuppies were when um, Mickley and Mickley was writing. But today, the I feel like today is very similar in many ways to the 80s. But obviously, the ba- the big difference is the internet and the connectivity that we have. Mm-hmm. So whilst in the 80s you basically went home and you if you were not. Um, if you're faced with all the choices of the world, it might be looking at the five available TV, or four available TV channels, uh, calling up the people whose phone number is in your phone book, reading the books you have on your shelf, etc. Very limited. So given given the choice without some kind of overall purpose, creates anxiety because what if you make the wrong choice and life has no meaning so how do you know which all that sort of stuff that's what creates the psychic entropy Mm -hmm. that flow aims to combat today you have access to all information ever on a on a phone a tv a laptop a tablet and you've probably got all of those around you right now if you're a um you know fancy pants person Even if you're not a fancy pants person, you probably have some access to that. Even if it's on the library computer, that means you have access to all information. Mm. It's not quite the same, but, you know.
1: Yeah, information is doubling, I believe, at an ever-decreasing rate. So I think there's some sort of, uh, what would they call it? Um, You know, there's some equation, so between the year... Zero and the year 1000, information doubled, or access to information, the information that was readily available. And between the year um, 1000 and 1500, it doubled again. And then between 1500 and 1750, it doubled again. And then 1750 and 1875, it doubled again. Then 1875 and 1950, it doubled again. Then 1950 and 1987 and a half, it doubled again. And then it doubled and it doubled and any
0: minute now we're going to fucking explode you are making me feel slightly sad saying that because that's one of the autistic traits i don't have is to be able to follow a sequence of numbers and see the pattern mm. i can't remember numbers to save my life that's why i'm not properly autistic i'm just a a, a failed autistic um a autiste, a failed autiste. An amateur autiste. And as we've seen from a previous chapter, an amateur means that that you means from you, the Latin amor. Yes! I just do it for the love of it. I am just autistic for the love of being an autiste. You just love being this awkward. Yes. Okay, great. But you can see how much choice based limited by what you can bring into consciousness, but how much choice you have in life in 2020 with infinite potential access to information and contact with other people at any time. So, without a unified goal in your life, or GOAT as I wrote down, if you don't have that GOAT that you're aiming for, how do you enjoy concentrating on the decisions that you're making all the time and being fully engaged and mindful in the process matching the challenge with your ability to be in flow constantly increasing in complexity and in with without anxiety and psychic entropy in the moment. How do you do that? It's much easier to just pick flow activities one at a time. Right now I'm just going to cook and I know from reading the book that I mustn't flick on my phone and think about the past and the future and whether I am whether I like my body weight or whether my career prospects are where I want them to be. I just need to enjoy the cooking, smell the herbs, uh, pay attention to what I'm doing, read the recipe, think about the immediate short-term goal of the delicious thing that I'm going to do and pay attention to everything in the moment. Think about how I'm going to increase the complexity and the challenge by making this dish slightly better than the last time. What was wrong with it last time? It was a bit too dry. How can I change that this time? Be totally in the moment enjoying that flower activity. Then you eat the dinner and it's over and your life has no meaning and suddenly psychic entropy immediately returns. So the Final chapter is saying you can't just live your life with these individual flow activities, and yet unless they all unite to a common purpose, and he's specifically saying that that doesn't mean going back to being a caveman or following orthodox religion. He says that not only is that not, and there are some. There, the, the, the thing I like about the final chapter is that he puts value judgments in things because most of the book is kind of like here is research here is my analysis of it, here is my scientific conclusion. In the final chapter, he lets rip and gives opinions. So he says, we should not all be religious. We should not just go back to the land and forget technology and innovation. We should take our increasingly complex society, our, what was the word I used last time to describe constantly dissipated, dissipative st- the, the structure. dissipative structure it's, they're very good well remembered of our modern society with all of its information all of its technology all of its resources communication everything we should take that and use all of that in a purposeful way each each person has the responsibility to take all of that create a purpose and and use those resources only for their fabricated purpose to avoid the constant anxiety of what is the meaning of life and what choice should I make and should I do this or should I do that. Everything everything seems to be infinite and I can't possibly make a choice so I'll just sit and watch Netflix, preferably drunk.
1: Hopefully in a burger.
0: Or three, and just shoveling them down your gob without even tasting them. Mmm, mm, Yeah, okay, so,
1: well, I guess most people would hope to not do the latter. <laughs> so what's on your paper? What's on your bit of paper?
0: Well, there are four steps that he gives, um, and he's he's he quite... Uh, patronisingly says most people don't even get beyond step two thinking well I Mickley Chitson Mickley am on step four the final step (laughs) can you guess where I think I am on the four steps well probably step five or (laughs) And maybe on step five, but I can't remember which page it is, so bear with this for a minute. Four steps. Here we go. Uh, just before this, in the build-up to the four steps, he says, uh, setting challenges that involve the improvement of material conditions while at the same time pursuing spiritual ends. And spiritual, he doesn't mean religious. He means that in any way you want. Um, it's not easy, especially when the culture as a whole is predominantly sensate in character. Um, do you want me to go into the difference between idealistic, sensate and ideational? No. You can Wikipedia those. Give me, sensate, give me the words again though, will you? Sensate. Yeah. Ideational. Yeah. And idealistic, which is a hybrid of sensate and ideational. Briefly, sensate cultures are very materialistic, ideational are more like Islamic regimes, and idealistic are a hybrid of the two. And it's a good thing that it's difficult. It shouldn't be easy. As I said last time, flow is inherently not easy. It's not flow if it's easy. So this is the challenge for yourself to develop in order to bring about some kind of purpose in your life in order to unite those separate flow activities. So each man or woman starts with a need to preserve the self, to keep the body and its basic goals from disintegrating. At this point, the meaning of life is simple. It is tantamount to survival, comfort and pleasure. When the safety of the physical self is no longer in doubt, the person may expand the horizon of his or her meaning system to embrace the values of a community. So this is now number two. The family, the neighbourhood, a religious or ethnic group. This step leads to a greater complexity of the self, even though it usually implies conformity to conventional norms and standards. So, we looked at initially the caveman didn't get beyond number one, he just had to survive. Then, with the introduction of religion in society, people progressed to the second stage of this. The next step in development involves reflective individualism. So we could date that back to Freud and psychoanalysis. The person again turns inward, finding new grounds for authority and value within the self. Although this is, I'm, I'm being very simplistic by talking going from caveman to Christianity to Freud because that totally ignores um, Everything Greek, in between. Yes. Uh, well, uh, Greek and Roman uh, yes. philosophy yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But they're examples that certainly uh, more people have access to ideas in psychoanalysis since Freud and Jung and Melanie Klein and the psychoanalysts progressed what had previously been philosophy. Yaha. So the person again turns inward, finding new grounds for authority and value within the self. He or she is no longer blindly conforming, but develops an autonomous conscience. So that's lying on the couch of the private practice, discovering your, bringing from your subconscious into your consciousness, whatever you can find. At this point, the main goal in life becomes the desire for growth, improvement, the actualization of potential. And you might think, what more is there?
1: What more is that?
0: The fourth step, which builds on all the previous ones, is a final turning away from the self. Turning away. At some point in the past, whatever, whatever episode it was, we looked at turning away from the self. You can't flow if you are so obsessed with yourself, either in an egotistical way or a self-depreciative way. You can't connect with what's going on around you with what you can't concentrate on what you're doing you can't increase in complexity when you are totally self-obsessed yeah 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 or self-absorbed or however you might like to say it so after you've done your selfish introspection sitting Mm -hmm. in Montpellier for a month Uh you then turn away from the self and you find your purpose in life Mm. that is not just relentless introspection nor is it just blindly following the rules of Christianity or Nazi ideology and nor do you just get through the day from bed to work to food to sofa with no ambition for anything else and in turning away from the self back towards an integration with other people and with universal values in this final stage the extremely individualized person Willingly merges his interests with those of a larger whole. (laughs) Yes. Let's make a butt plug joke. No, 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 I don't. No, do you? Do you want me to just, I know I've just read a lot and I don't like reading enormous chunks, but do you want me to read him being, um, A funky dude no 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 from his lofty position of being at stage 4 oh yeah go on not everyone moves through the spiral of ascending complexity a few never have the opportunity to go beyond the first step
1: so some of us are cavemen yeah some of us are cavemen some of us are religious some of us are selfish introspects and others of us are elevated above self introspection
0: to a floaty level Of self-awareness, whereby we flow. Self-awareness, but outward-looking, not inward-looking.
1: Self-awareness and connection with the whole. Well, it's really interesting you say this, because everything you're talking about, actually, um, and I used the word yoke earlier, which, unless I've misunderstood or misremembered, is the very essence of yoga and may even be the sanskrit meaning of the word yoga which i'm probably mispronouncing of course um and the yoke the the yoga the what that means is all the different elements the different i don't know maybe the seven limbs or eight limbs or six limbs of yoga things like uh breath introspection um teaching learning uh good deeds nonviolence you know calm um a physical movement hatha pranayama like uh, meditation pratyahara these kind of things all to get to absorption from the self into the one cosmic being so in many ways what this book is about is about yoga
0: well i think this book is to, is has parallels with uh, yoga with stoicism with buddhism with mindfulness, mm-hmm. but the difference for me is that it's written in a very autiste-friendly way. It's, here is data, here is my analysis of it. One leads to two, two leads to three, three leads to four. It's not a sort of jump-around book. It doesn't use uh, too much metaphor or uh, illusion uh, or uh, alliteration uh. or any of that. Yeah, but he
1: also said, I don't think it is as easy as one, two, three, four. I think it's, it's a bit like the... One two one two one two
0: three one one two one two. Oh three, no! Four. Uh, you mean cumulative? So like one two one two three, four one two three four yes. five one two three four five or something like yes,
1: that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, the, there's there's an ebbing and a flowing with your understanding, awareness, acknowledgement in putting together the final four, as it were, to get to five, okay. if five exists a living and flow, which is also what yoga is all about. But yoga is all encompassing and that's what I was trying to say. It's way you know, mindfulness and Buddhist meditation and teachings and the Dharma and the lessons and the and the meditation. All of those different things are incorporated into yoga. There's so many different elements of it. There's a physical element, there's a mental element, there's a calm element, there's an action element, there's a doing, there's a teaching, there's a learning, there's a self, there's an other. It's all
0: there. That's if you actually practice yoga as opposed to just doing yoga because you can selfishly do yoga. Look at me, I'm the greatest at yoga in the room. Everyone look at me, I'm, look at my great body. I've been to the gym and now I'm in the yoga place and I'm going to do the best yoga and you're all going to be jealous of me and I might do it on YouTube to have more fans and adoration. Like, 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 everything's all about me. Where's my phone? Hmm, do I look good from this angle? Let's have, let's get all the phones out. Let's do, let's do 300. 360-degree selfies, but all aimed at me. Yes, exactly. But
1: yeah, yeah, that isn't obviously what yoga, as a complete system, is about. So well, there we go. End of chapter. Goodbye. Good night, everyone. No. So so, where are we at then, James? After, after his description of one, two, three, four, where does that leave you?
0: He goes into a bit about resolve, as in. Uh, you have to be, you have to, you can yeah, dedication. You can't just let your life meaning come to you. You can't just let all your flow activities form a meaning. Yeah. Um, he talks about clarity of thought, but we've talked about that pretty much. This is, uh, this is kind of what I tried to do. I tried to talk about everything in the chapter without doing what you don't like saying, right, we're on page 231 of the making of meaning. Although I will... Well, 231 is the, is the example of Adolf Eichmann, the Nazi, who calmly shipped tens of thousands to oh. the gas chambers. What a cunt. Um, page 230 is where he does talk about free will without explicitly stating it. He says, instead of accepting the unity of purpose provided by genetic instructions or by the rules of society, the challenge for us is to create harmony based on reason and choice. Oh, he also says, if one assumes that people have a choice in how they respond to external events, in what meaning they attribute to suffering, then one can interpret the constructive response as normal, and the neurotic one as a failure to rise to the challenge, as a breakdown in the ability to flow. Pages go by, and he finishes with, the problem of meaning will then be resolved as the individual's purpose merges with the universal flow, full stop, that's the end of the book. So, there we go. LAUGHTER is there anything else on my piece of paper? Let me be... I've done the, the book. book, but I've also got a piece of paper. Um, yes, I would like to just remind the listener that we have hu- not only huge holes in our knowledge, because we do not have all of human knowledge in our collective brains, but even if we did, we wouldn't be able to bring it from the subconscious into consciousness in the moment of recording this episode. So, mm-hmm. dear listener, if you want to... Uh, read about free will, Sam Harris has a book on free will if you want to read about
1: yeah, but do read it properly so that you understand it you know rather than just half understand it and <laughs> sprout shit about it, <laughs> scattering it throughout various
0: episodes of a podcast you might be producing in order to achieve flow the The joke that we make about the listener, which is the what what you learn at radio school you're not talking to an audience. You don't, if you're on BBC Radio Manchester, you don't start the breakfast show by going, hello, Manchester. You follow the Terry Wogan rule of talking to one person in their kitchen at a time. And you don't think about the fact that you're the nation's most popular radio DJ. Um, And so we talk about the listener. But that extends as well to uh, the idea of, who listens to this podcast how many people listen to this podcast because we've i can't remember if we've talked on uh, in this season but we've talked uh off off air about um for example i had an encounter with a uh, millennial and uh, let's and he doesn't live in east london but let's call him an east london millennial and uh well where the, does he live north London. south okay well let's call him a south london millennial then. okay and he, uh, the topic of the podcast came up. I don't know what happened, I must have been talking about myself and using lots of words. And, um, <laughs> how unlike you, and in that moment, his immediate reaction was, How many people listen? It didn't even know what the topic of the podcast was. He didn't know how long we've been doing it for, whether we enjoy it, or any of that. How many likes did it get? How many likes? How many people listen? How many
1: people commented and left a smiley face?
0: Yeah, I can't remember exactly what my answer was, but I basically didn't answer his question. Yeah, you told me that you didn't answer. Yes, but I haven't told the listener. Oh. So what did I say then? What what was my response to you? Can you bring that into consciousness right now so I don't have to repeat myself to you? No, because I'm thinking of the one food
1: that I'm inevitably going to eat, which is a burger. And I don't know why that's in my mind. No, what did you say to him?
0: Well, I can't remember, but I didn't answer his question. I didn't say, because I I mean, I don't, for start, I don't know what the numbers are. But I've always, since I made the magazine for my aunt, whereby I produced that one perfect only child magazine for one reader, I've always been satisfied that I only ever need to do something for myself, but that it is better to have one, the one listener. I like to have the one listener. And we certainly have our one listener. We do have one listener. In fact, I'm really pleased with our listenership. Because we also, on every episode, in the episode notes, it says uh, some witty thing that I wrote about. Um, Please send us your uh, carefully organised, mindful thoughts about this episode to the Contact Us page of privatepracticepodcast.net and we have... So far, received zero responses, which I don't have a problem with because the last thing... The, the the overwhelming likelihood is that if lots and lots of people responded, I'd say it was probably going to be... 50% or more would not be good constructive criticism, and I'd have to wade through that. And I already spend a lot of time... Reading the book of Flow, for example, thinking about the podcast, recording it, editing it, doing my little graphic things that I like doing. All of that is a flow activity without psychic entropy. It's enough of a challenge that it keeps me engaged and I thoroughly enjoy it. I don't want to introduce into my life reading... The tosh that our listener would come up with. Yeah. Right. I also don't want to market the podcast because I couldn't care less about that and it would just be uh it would not contribute to the sum meaning of my life in a purposeful way to add to overall flow it would be a massive distraction that i wouldn't enjoy and would, would give me psychic entropy and from from that place of perfect flow
1: from that beautiful ode to the underlying message of the book do things because You get pleasure and enjoyment out of them. Do things to bring more complexity into your life whenever you can. Try and find a yoke. Try and find a a thematic drive for your life. Try and find and give yourself purpose that enables you to live in flow as much as possible. And as I've often said in this podcast, if you're struggling with that and if you can't and you need to get help, speak to other people and get some help. Talk to your GP. Go online use the information that's out there and work towards finding yourself some peace and some calm and some flow from daniel p brown and the private practice podcast it's a good night
0: from james hall in the private practice podcast it's a sensible goodbye whereby i don't make a stupid joke or use too many words and from mickley Chitson, and mickley It's very much not the classic work on how to achieve happiness.